Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. All right, all right. How are you guys today? Yeah. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors around here at LifePoint, and we are so glad you're here. If you're a guest today, man, thank you so, so much for joining us. This is uh, gathering number two of three, and we are so glad you're here today. It's September, y'all. It doesn't feel like it, but it's coming. You guys have faith to believe that there's some coolness coming somewhere in our lives, because um, I'm, I'm totally done with the summer, and I'm ready to move on. Anybody feel this? So let's just pray around that right now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we're so glad you're here, and it's a great time to be at church. And we're in a series that we're calling, as you saw there, uh, Asking for a Friend. Uh, last week, Pastor Andy started us off just so amazing. If you missed that, uh, go take a look at our, our podcast at, on, on iTunes or on our website, www.lifepointessay.com. Uh, we would love for you to go catch up and listen to that. Um, what we're trying to do over the next several weeks is just answer questions that people may be actually asking us or maybe have going on inside their heads. And, um, and, and so we're going to try to answer questions like, uh, for all the single folks in the house today, why do I keep ending up with the wrong person? Come on, somebody, you know what I'm saying? Like, why do I keep dating losers or, or whatever it is that you're doing? Like, and, and so those of you who are married, like, don't skip that one because maybe you'll go, oh, I see what happened. Uh, but, but come out, man. It's gonna be a lot, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, what do we do with our anxiety. I know that anxiousness and anxiety is a huge, huge issue in our culture, uh, literally more than ever before, and we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about uh, this notion. And if you've got little kids in the room today, I, I'm going to I'm going to say sorry that I'm going to say this word ahead of time, but I'm going to say it anyways. Is God down on sex? There's a huge, huge emphasis on that in our culture, and we just want to get ahead. Of, uh, we want to not get ahead of it. We want to talk about it from a biblical perspective, and so it's going to be a great, great series today. Though I just want to consider um, this this idea. Some people would say, my, my life is overscheduled and under-contemplated. I want you to think about that. My life is, is overscheduled, meaning I have so much going on. It's not necessarily bad things. It's just so much I'm trying to jam in to my days and my weeks, my weeks and my months and my year that I rarely have time to spend contemplating the big pictures of life and how my life is going and, and where I'm going to end up if I keep on this pathway that I'm on. My life is overscheduled and under-contemplated. And what happens when that's true of you, and, and probably for a lot of us in the room today, that's true of us, uh, myself included, is, is what happens oftentimes is the, the urgent things, the stuff that people keep asking us to do, the, the boss tells us we got to do, the urgent things in life end up crowding out the important things. To, to the extent that even as believers, we will sacrifice these, the, the time, spending time on eternal things uh, for imminent things. Like, I, I don't have time to think about and contemplate what really matters in life. I'm, I'm just trying to survive this day. And all the while, all the while, the clock is ticking on the things that really matter. And a lot of times we don't get to do a do-over with those things. And so what we're going to think about today is creating the kind of space that we need in life to live the life that God has wired us up to live. Because we live in a culture that has pushed us, pushed us to the limits, buy more, do more, accomplish more, you know, achieve more, 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 more. And I would argue that most of us are living our lives in unsustainable paces that 
what is now normal in our culture is actually quite insane. It's, it's insane, the pace that we're all trying to push at. Our kids have school and homework and assignments, and on top of that, they're, they're out four or five nights a week um, with sports and activities and, and, and uh, extracurricular stuff. Not, not to mention the weekends, which used to be about a, a, a relaxing and you know, going to the lake or going to the river or whatever you do, and it's now it's like go, 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 go all the time. And, and for many of us, those of us who are parents, the schedules that we've sort of imposed on our children end up imposing on us, and we're stressed, and they are stressed, and, and it's just not a, it's not a good way to live life, and, and this is part of the reason why there's all this data suggests now that many people would say, the, the majority of people would say, I'm, I'm unhappy with my life, and I think this is a big part of that, that our lives are too cluttered, and I want to talk about that today, about living uncluttered lives by talking about prioritizing our lives. How do I prioritize my life, asking for a friend, right? We're going to look at an encounter that Jesus has um, with a couple of ladies, Mary and Martha. And, and Martha, in particular, he's going to confront her with a thing where he says, Martha, listen, I need you just to get clarity on, on one thing, this one little tweak that if you'll make in your life, will change your life, and it's missing from your life, and it's keeping you stressed out, and it's keeping you agitated and feeling chaotic and you're trying to take it out on other people. Martha, I just need to help you get your priorities straight. Now, for me, this message is going to be a little bit tough because I'm going to step on my own toes throughout the message today. I'm just going to tell you right ahead, I don't always get this right, but I want to. And I think it's so, so important that we do. So if you have your Bibles and you can turn with me to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, um, this is one of the gospel texts. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the, the doings and the teachings and the sayings of Jesus as recorded by his own followers. So Luke, who was a physician, very detailed in, in what he remembered and what he wrote down, says, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way. Now let me, let me give you a little bit of context here. Jesus has been going teaching. He's been traveling around. In this same chapter, he sends out 72 disciples to go out and do ministry. He tells them what to expect. He tells them what to do when certain things happen. Then he goes to another place. He teaches the, the, the message of the Good Samaritan, which most people, even if you're not biblical people, you don't read the Bible, you've heard this. And after that teaching, he, he goes on, and he comes to this, this village called Bethany, where a woman named Mary and Martha, women named Mary and Martha, and their brother Lazarus, Lazarus isn't mentioned in this text, he is in John's uh, rendition, uh, he, he, they live in this village called Bethany. So he comes to this town, Martha opens her home to him, she has a sister, the text says, called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now let me tell you this, when a person like Jesus, an honored guest would have showed up to his friend's house, immediately what would have happened is somebody would have gone, he's, he's a guest of honor, we got to make a meal. So Martha runs into the kitchen, starts to try to prepare a meal, try to make it happen, make it great, make it awesome. Mary has decided to sit down at his feet and wash his feet. Now it doesn't tell us this, but this is why she's sitting at his feet, because what would happen is a guy like Jesus would have been walking on dusty streets all day long in some sort of sandal type situation, right, some chanclas, right, and he would have been walking in his chanclas, and his feet would have gotten dirty, and as he walks in, the lowest servant in the household would have been charged with the task of bringing a bowl of water and helping this guy wash his feet. Now, if they didn't have servants, then the lowest person on the totem pole would have been the person left, which would usually be the youngest child. Like in my house, um, my poor daughter Naomi, 
And she's the youngest, so she's the one that if I'm sitting in the recliner, Naomi, come here. And then she's like, what? I'm like, can you get that remote right over there? And she's like, Dad, it's right there. I'm like, yeah, but you're the littlest in the house, so you have to get it for me. Come on, I know it's bad parenting, but still I'm going to do it. I'm still going to do it. Come on. Could you get me a Coke, Naomi? It's right there, Dad. Get it. You're the youngest. So this is what's happening with Mary. Maybe she's the youngest, and she's sitting at his feet. And it goes on and says, Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and says, hey, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So what, what, what Martha's thinking was, it's fine that she washed your feet, but then she should have got up and come back into the room to help me, but she's now just hanging out, chilling with Jesus. Like, how's it going, man? It's awesome, man. And she's just chilling right there, right? And she's like, Lord, don't you care that I'm, I'm doing all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And then Mar- and, and Jesus is like, Martha, Martha. You could see this, right? You're worried about and upset about many things. Many things. If you're an underliner, you want to underline that. Verse 42, but, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So, so, so here's Jesus coming in from a, a busy schedule, busy meetings, doing crazy stuff, and he's just coming to hang out. Martha thinks, i got to impress him, i got to make things happen, and Mary's like, I just want to hang out with him, right? So, meanwhile, as Martha's stressing out and getting angrier and angrier by the minute, and those of you who have to cook for big occasions like Thanksgiving, you know what she's feeling right now, right? Because you're all stressed out, and everybody's like chilling out, watching football, and you're getting angrier and angrier, and you're like, this is Thanksgiving! You will help me! You know what I'm saying? And you're all bitter and whatnot, so you know how that's going on, and then at the end, how many of you know at the end, they all go out to throw the football and pretend like they're actual football players, and you're like, I did all the cooking, and now you're going to leave me to clean? Oh, we're going to kill the fatted calf. I'm going to cut somebody, and you're the fatted calf. I'll, I will cut you if you don't get back in here and help me. Come on, y'all know, what, y'all know what's happening in this story, right? You can relate to this. Like, even if it's, if it's dudes in the house today, and you did the grilling, and you're like, hey, I ain't cleaning that grill. I cooked. You clean the grill. And they're like, I don't know how to clean a grill. There's fire. I don't care, small child. Clean it anyways. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do that. Jesus, make her come in here and help me, right? And Jesus is like, Martha, Martha, come on, man. Just, just chill for just a second. There's one thing that's needed here, he says. She's chosen the best part. She's chosen the right response here. And Jesus says, you both, this is what he's saying in essence. You, you both have a choice to make, and, and, and she's made the good choice, and I'm not going to take it away from her. In other words, of the two of you, Um, She made the right choice, Martha, because you've got your priorities wrong. You think that what I'm impressed by is your productivity and your performance, and I'm actually more impressed by your presence. I I would say this just as an add-on, that the people who love us most will choose our presence over our productivity every time. So so I want to give you a few thoughts today around this that I think Um, are needed in our lives is maybe we try to get rid of the chaos and the clutter and the noise. This this is the season, twice a year, I've seen it over and over again through the seasons of leading churches, that January and September are where people try to reprioritize, refocus their energies, and so that's why I wanted to talk about this today. So so what's needed? Jesus says one thing is needed. What's needed? Number one, and this is going to be very, very practical today, is that we have to set a healthy calendar. 
right? And some of you are like, well, I don't really operate off a calendar. I just kind of go through the day. I know what's coming. Well, you do operate off a calendar. You may not write it down, but everybody operates off a calendar. And so Paul, knowing this one time, he's writing to a place, a, a church in a town called Corinth. Corinth is this wild town. It's like Las Vegas, New York, L.A., kind of all wrapped up into one thing. And one of the sayings they have there is like, hey, I can do anything I want. That's one of their sayings. As a matter of fact, when you read this text, you'll notice that it's in quote, because he's quoting one of their chief sayings. He says, I have the right to do anything. He says, that's what you guys say. And it's true. You do have the right to do anything, he's saying. But, but here's, the, here's the, key, the key question is, but is it beneficial? Not, not everything is beneficial. You have the right to do anything you want to, to put anything in your calendar, to take your kids and involve them in anything you want to involve them in. He says, but listen, I want you to stop and ask, is it beneficial? Is it going to make the family deeper? Is it going to make our marriage better? Is it going to make our kids' uh, home life better? Is it beneficial? And that is a key understanding for us today. I think this idea is huge. And what Jesus is saying to Martha is, Martha, we all get to choose whatever it is that we're going to spend our time on. We all have the ability to set our own calendar, and we choose what's most important to us by what we spend our time on, right? And we can choose the rhythms of our life because God is a God of rhythm. He is a God of rhythm. And, 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 and so I want to ask you a question today. Those of you who would say, man, my life is a little bit stressed out. I'm a little bit chaotic. I can snap real quickly, right? I get angry fast. Like, I just want to ask you, is God a God of, uh, of chaos or a God of order? Like, just look at the natural world. The, the moon rises, the, the sun sets, things happen. It's a rhythm. He's a God of order, and he's a God of peace, not chaos. That's the thing. And, and when you have the right priorities, still stuff can happen that will disrupt you. But listen, generally speaking, there is a rhythm to life, and, it, and, and it's healthy, and it, and, it, and it doesn't function out of order. So some of us may will say, well, Danny, you're, you're up here on a weekday, on a Sunday, talking about a calendar? Like, that's, that's your spiritual suggestion for us today? Does God even have a calendar? Does God even operate off of a calendar? Well, let's look at the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. First book of the Bible. This is the creation story, right? And verse 14, God says, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the, the what? The day from the night. And let these, let these lights, the, the sun and the moon, let them be for signs and seasons which will create days and years. So God is setting a rhythm for the world and all of its inhabitants, that the, the earth revolves around on its axis 24 hours a day, or 24 hours, rather, and that is one day. Okay, everybody's like, I don't really know the answer to the question. No, it's just one day. <laughs> and then he wires up the moon to revolve around the earth for 30 days or so, and that becomes one month. All right, there we go, two people. All right. Um, and this is, this is in the word days there. And we remember from third grade uh, uh, science, I don't remember, I had to look it up again, that the earth revolves around the sun for 365 days. And we call that a year. Here we go. We're getting there now, y'all. It's, it's class, third grade. But God, here's what, what God's saying here. He made all of this rhythm. He made all this rhythm to be a sign, he says. What does that mean? It means... It's a, it's a thing, the sun rising, the, you know, the moon rising, the sun setting, the moon rising. All of this is a sign or a way of speaking to you. 
It's a way that God speaks to you without saying a word. He's speaking to you through this. That there are seasons of life, and you have to learn the seasons of life and how to get into the right rhythm in each of the seasons of life to make the most of your time. So that whatever season of life I'm in right now, I have to dictate to my calendar to complement that season. Some of you right now, you have little bitty kids. Well, let me tell you something. I have, somebody's like, I have, you're right. Why'd you remind me of that? I I gave them away. I gave them away for an hour. Oh, you stressed me out again, Danny. I have teenagers right now. And listen to me, this season of my life is very different. That's a little higher than I meant for it to go. I don't know what happened right there. It's very different. There we go. That's a little bit better than what it was when I had kids. So my calendar and, and the way I structure my time as a dad has to, to represent the season that I'm in, right? And that goes not just with family, but it goes with work and, and, and health. The season I'm in has to dictate to my calendar the best way to use my time or I'll miss, listen to me, I'll miss significant moments in that season. So I have to tell my calendar what's most important during that season. If I don't, urgent things will come in, noise will happen in my life, and it will replace important things, and I'll miss critical moments in the season that I'm in. So, so So then my calendar is less about what has to get done And it's more about who I'm going to become, right? It's more than a to-do list. It it has everything to do with what kind of family life I'm going to have, what kind of marriage I'm going to have. Because you become like what you give most of your attention to. That's a fact. So if, if prayer and time with God are on my calendar, I become more like Jesus, right? Not, not just because of that, but that's part of the process. It, if, if fitness is on my calendar, right now it's not. Come on, I know, I know, I know. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to say amen to that. Come on, right? I'll be more fit if it's in my calendar. It just makes sense, right? If family time is on my calendar, like devoted, dedicated family time, then I'm going to spend more healthy time with my family. If dating my spouse is on my calendar, I'll date my spouse more, and I believe that that will result in a healthier marriage, right? Some of you would say, I'm single. Well, if dating is on your calendar, hopefully you can find somebody to fill it with you. Come on, somebody. They have apps for that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think it's a swipe situation or something that goes down. I don't know. I've never been on one. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Back in my day, we had to actually look at people and meet them in, the, in real time. Right. Oh, that's a girl. I want to go look at her. You know what I'm saying? That's what I did. But here's the thing. I, I become in life, uh, in large part, what I give my focus and my attention to. That's why calendars are spiritual. And so there are, there are three areas of, of healthy life rhythms that are critical. I'm going to talk about two of them, but I'm going to just give you them real quick. Faith, family, and work. Because those three things are going to take up the vast majority of my time. I'm going to talk about the first two. First, faith. You, you see faith having a rhythm in the very first family in the Bible, Adam of Adam and Eve fame, right? The Bible says, I think it's chapter 3 maybe, that God would come walking in the cool of the day. Even God doesn't like it when it's hot. Come on, y'all. <laughs> he was like, I'm waiting until it gets cooler. <laughs> I'm not going for a bike ride until it gets cooler. It never gets cool here, you know what I'm saying? But, but he's like, 
I'm going to wait till it gets cool. And then it says that he would walk and talk with Adam. I don't know how that looked. I don't know what, how that went down. But that's what it says. It seems like there was probably a rhythm to this. In other words, Adam had a God time. A time to spend with God. So, so the question for me and you is, do, do, do I have that rhythm in my own life where I have a time to meet with God? You, you want to prioritize your life? You want to get rid of the chaos and the noise that happens all the time? You want peace in the chaos? Because sometimes it's just chaos anyways. It starts right here. You can't afford to get this one wrong because it's the linchpin. The Bible says that Christ is the chief cornerstone, right? Like he's the thing, the, the thing we set everything else around. And if you don't build your life on the right foundation, things get out of order. When things get out of order, chaos reigns. That's what happens. And there are a lot of things that we have to do every day. We all do. We have, we have things we have to do. But none of them, I'm going to argue, are more beneficial than your time with God. And listen, there are so many lesser things that will try to steal your time with God, and so you have to, you have to guard your time with God. Your time with God may start out with five or ten minutes. Whatever it is, that you, and you can raise the number, you can lower the number based on your own time and personalities, but get a, get a reading plan on your Bible app, man. Get that Bible app on your phone and get that thing out. Listen to me right now. I, I'm on a streak, uh, and, and, and so they track your streaks, how many days in a row you do. And my wife and I are so fanatic about this now. It's like ruling our lives, which is awesome, that like if I travel one day and it gets me off my normal rhythm of when I read the Bible, and then by, I'll wake up at 12.06 and go, I didn't read the Bible. Oh, come on, man. It was 74 days, and I got to start over and I'm bitter and I don't read it for like six weeks. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I don't. But this is good, man. I'm guarding this time and, and technology is actually helping me do this. And I, and I read the word, man. And I don't read the word just to learn how to preach or to have something to say. I read the word because of what the word does inside my heart and I pray and, and, and I spend some time in worship. And, and, and then, so, so faith, another part of the rhythm of faith is just coming to church as often as possible. I don't think everybody understands that we do this every week, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we do it every week. Uh, they're like, oh, I thought you just did it once a month. Oh, no, 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 we do it every week, 52 weeks out of the year, man. And, and, and make it a priority to be in church one hour a, a, a week. And I, I promise you, not, not for our benefit, but for, for, for your benefit, over the course of a year, you'll be better for it. As you just, as you just give yourself into that rhythm, it's beneficial. Some, some of you came to our church and you never had a rhythm of going to church and you started coming week in, week out, and you realized, man, this is, it's making me a better man. It's making me a better woman. I feel better. And then for whatever reason, life happens. You, you start to miss for a while. I had some, a lot of you tell me this. I started to miss for a season. I didn't come for a couple of months. And then you realize, man, things started getting crazy and I started, just couldn't think right and I couldn't focus right. And I had to get back to God's house. Faith has got to be part of your rhythm and your calendar. And secondly, family, because this is another huge area of our life. As a parent of teenagers, I'm becoming more and more keenly aware of how actual little time you get with your kids in your own home. In terms of their span of life, you, you just get this small little time with them. They're going to turn a certain age, and they're going to move on and out. It's like 35-ish probably, I think. Um, anyways, but, but man, I got I to make it happen. I got to make it happen. I don't always get this right, right? This is, a, this is an issue for me. And, and, and I got to let them know how much I love them and how proud of them I am and, and, and how, much, uh, how awesome it is that God let me be their dad, right? 
and, and i got to build a healthy family because I can justify, especially in my career, I'm a pastor, right, and so this is what I do for a living, right? I can justify why my work is super important because all these people need whatever and, 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 and how much time I spend on my hobbies or television. And I can do all that to the detriment of my own family. And I could justify, well, it's important, man. People's lives are at stake, right? They're, they're spiritual, like as if I'm in charge of their spiritual like, salvation. Like, like I don't, I'm not, right? But here's the thing, and you can do this in your own way. The things that really bring joy in life, as it turns out, it, it is not just prosperity and progress. We think that in our 20s and our 30s and our 40s, I probably even into our 50s, but I promise you that people who have a lot of prosperity and a lot of progress will look back at the end of their lives and go, man, what I wouldn't give of any of this prosperity and progress that I made to just go have more time with my family. Because family and relationships are the thing that actually make us happy, not prosperity, not progress. And in 2016, at the back end of the year, it was actually in September of 2016, I had, some of you will remember this because you were here, I had a physical meltdown where my body just started shutting down. Uh, I have kidney disease and, and, and it just, something went crazy and, and, and I was taking five blood pressure drugs per day just to stay alive, basically. And so my doctors and my overseers just shut me down for six weeks. You cannot go to church. You cannot work. You must, you must rest while we try to figure out what's wrong with you. And this happened, as it turns out, I know now it, it happened in large part because I was not practicing what I'm preaching right now. I figured I knew better. I, and I did a lot of soul searching during that time off, and I realized I'd burned myself up and out trying to make it happen because in 2016, we had a big growth spurt that year as a church, and man, we were seeing record numbers of people come in and come to faith and, and, and being baptized, and, and we were succeeding uh, in, in all the sort of measurable ways, but I was failing personally. Not spiritually, I wasn't, I wasn't sinning, I wasn't, I'm not talking about that. And I didn't like who I was becoming and the toll I had allowed all of it to take on my body and my mind and my spirit and my family will tell you that that was the lesser version of me that they'd ever seen. And I just want to remind you now, the calendar is not what you have to get done. It's about who you become. It's about who you become. And I was chasing after this thing and that thing, trying to fix this person and that marriage and, 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 and work on this program that wasn't quite right. And I was spinning my wheels on behalf of everybody else and everything else. And I realized I'm taking a toll and my family's taking a toll. And, and, and I got to the point where I was thinking, should I even be doing this anymore? Should I just be doing something else? And I didn't like those thoughts and they weren't godly thoughts, but that was what was happening in my life and in my, in, in, in my, my rhythm. And this, 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 this need to, to succeed at any cost will, will come up in my soul again and again. And I'll have to push it down and fight it down. And, and recently God gave me a word. And I want to give you this word that, that, that he gave me because it might bear some weight in your own life. I was praying right over here and I just felt this come on me and I, I typed it down. This is important what I'm saying because like anybody, I can assume that God's will for my life is only the biggest and the best and just more, 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 more. And that assumption then can lead to a presumption that I'm on mission as I kill my body and as I kill my family to do, quote, God's will in my life that I think it's possible now, I know it's possible, to be growing a large business or a big career or a big name for yourself or a big church or whatever and completely be out of the Father's will. 
I think you can see serious growth happening in, in the key areas that you're, of your life in terms of your success and whatever, and yet be completely disobedient to what God's will is for your life. And maybe I get to heaven someday and God says, hey, Danny, I didn't ask you to build a big church. I didn't ask you to do all that. I just ask you to be faithful to your calling, to love your family, to worship, to work, to do your best and leave me responsible for the results. And instead, Danny, you went nuts trying, to, trying so hard to make it happen and you crushed your family life and you actually ended up leaving me completely out of the mix all the while ostensibly doing this for me and, and I didn't ask you to do any of that. And I'm hoping some of this will etch into your mind. Because if you want a new season in your life, you're going to need a new schedule. If you want a new season, you're going to need a new schedule. Some of you need to go home today and look at your calendars and let them speak to you. God says it's going to be for a sign and for a season. See, the truth is your calendar and what's on it has a lot to do with what you value and what's going on inside your life and inside of your heart for better or for worse. Your need to succeed might not just be out-of-control ambition. It's probably much deeper than that, and it might be killing your family and your relationships. And this is what Jesus is getting at with Martha. He says, Martha, you're troubled about many things. It seems like what you're mad is, you're mad at Mary because she's not helping you, but Martha, Martha, that's not the problem at all. It's the stuff beneath the stuff that's the problem. You're troubled about many things. There's got to be Sabbath in our lives. A day, listen to me now, a day, because this is Old Testament, and you're like, ah, it's Old Testament. No, no, it's also in the New Testament. It's a day where you don't think work, and you don't talk about work, and you don't answer your phone all day long and you don't reply to emails or anything else. You just spend time with God, and you spend time with people that you love. And, and Sabbath doesn't have to be on a Sunday or a particular day. God worked six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Why did he rest? Because did he need to rest? No. He did it as an example, as a sign to you that you are supposed to take a rest to, a day off. Not, not a day off so you can do a bunch of other stuff. Because like, how many of you know, like on my day off, I'm like, man, I got a lot to do today. By the end of my day off, I'm like, dear God, can I just go back to work? <laughs> right? I don't know. So You've you got to rest. There's got to be Sabbath in your life. And, and do you remember the people of Israel? They come out of Egypt after 400 plus years of bondage. And all they know is work seven days a week. Work all day. Work hard, hard, hard if you want to get fed. If you want to get the, the, the people to treat you. If you want your taskmasters to, to admire you, to love you. you got to work, 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 work. And after 400 years of that, he comes out. And one of the first things he does, does is say, hey, I want to give you ten commandments. And one of them is, you got to take a day off. And, and they don't know how to do that because they're like, oh, God, uh, if we don't, we won't eat. If we don't, we won't be somebody. If we don't work hard, 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 we won't ever measure up to the rest of the culture and the rest of the world. And he goes, listen, I don't care. I need you to trust me with that one day. Give it, give it to me. And what, what I'll do is I'll give it back to you as a gift to rest. And so you stop and you rest and you worship. You take delight in, you worship and you contemplate. You stop, you rest. You worship and you take and you contemplate life. Sabbath is God's day of rest to you. My, my calendar isn't just what I have to do, it's who I become. You, you want to get out of debt? 
then you go put on your calendar, hey, we're going to attend Financial Peace University. And, and we're going to spend a season of learning how to eliminate debt in our lives. You want your marriage to get better? You sign up for one of our many marriage life groups and you say, for this season, we're just going to work on us. We're going to put the kids in another room somewhere. Somebody else is going to feed them goldfish or whatever they're going to feed them. They're going to turn more yellow than they already are from all the orange stuff that they have to eat. And it, come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, your babies just turn orange at some point in their lives. Carrots, yams, or whatever. We're just jamming them with orange. Anyway, I don't doesn't have to do with anything. That's why we picked orange for our next step central. I'm just, I, we didn't. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, marriage. You put it on the calendar. You want freedom from your yesterdays, from your past? You join a freedom group and you say, hey, freedom uh, from all the junk that's hanging over my head, that's so important. I'm going to lock it in for the next 12 weeks and I'm going to see what God can do if I, if I make that happen. So what's needed? I need a new calendar. Secondly, and I'm going to wrap this up in just a couple minutes, i got to be present. You want to eliminate the noise and the chaos. You've got to be present. I can struggle with this one as well. Just being fully present with the people who are in front of me. It, it seems like from our gospel story that there are only two choices. Work, like Martha did, or worship, like Mary did. But that's not true at all. It's not one or, or, or the other. It's both and. You can work and worship. You can work and accomplish and make things happen and spend time with the people who love you most, right? And we can make this about personality types and, and I'm wired up like this and I'm ADD and I don't, no, no. You're you and I'm me, but we have to figure this out in our, in our relationships. Be present. It's tough because if you're wired up like I am, I'm always thinking about what's next, not what's now, but what's next. And I see this in the story here. One of them <clears throat> is present and understands the gift of presence, and the other one isn't. Just be present. Th this is the moment when my kids are in front of me. Pay attention. Be present. And this is hard sometimes because sometimes you're in the middle of something and they come and say something to you, right? Which doesn't mean, kids, that you should interrupt us every 14 seconds. Come on, just throwing that out there, parent. Parents or the kids are like, yeah, I'm going to use that against them, right? right? When the wife or the husband is in front of you, be present. Don't, don't be in your mind at work, right? Don't be on the phone or on social media. When, when the coworker is talking to you, be present. I got friends that I go out to lunch with them, and they're on their phones the whole time. God forbid it buzzes and you don't look at it. Come on, man. And some of you are like, well, you do that too. Hey, this isn't about me right now. It's about you. <laughs> Come on. Told you I'm stepping on my own toes too, right? Be, be present with the people who matter because when you're not present, they won't feel like they matter. Here's what I'm saying. Don't sacrifice the now for the next. You can't repeat now. It doesn't come back around every day. You, don't, you only have these little bitty kids for, one t for, for a few years and then they grow up and become kids who are awesome, but they talk back to you now. You see what I'm saying? They, 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 you know, anyways, um, just don't sacrifice the now for the next. Jesus says it like this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. He says, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. T tomorrow's going to worry about itself. Tomorrow, in other words, tomorrow's got plenty of stuff to worry about. Just, just focus in on today. Be, be present. Yes or no, does God have our tomorrows in his hand? Yes. Right? He'll take care of tomorrow. You focus in on this moment. This is what determines oftentimes whether you have a fantastic relationships or whether you have average or below average ones. See, if I'm not present with those I love, I won't be perceptive about what's going on in their lives. 
This is why, not always, this is why a lot of times our kids, we feel like we're blindsided by a choice they make, but they were, they were getting ready to make that choice all along and we didn't see it. This is why, not always, why sometimes our spouses do things or, or partake in things that blow us away and we didn't see it coming, right? Mary, I think, was, what was perceptive about what Jesus actually needed, that he didn't need another meal. Jesus comes in tired, exhausted from all the things he has to do. And what he needs is his friendship bucket filled back up. And he doesn't, he's like, you know what, Mary, Martha, just just a box of of macaroni and cheese, like the yellow kind, you know, the the blue box with the yellow powder. Like, I made that. It's good. It's going to be okay. Like, I I equipped the guy to to make that formula, to put it together. It's going to be all good. I I just need my friendship bucket filled up. And Mary gets this, but Martha thinks, I got to impress him with a great meal. Mary's perceptive. She's present. So, so what's needed? A, a healthy calendar and be present. And then lastly, and this quickly, don't, don't give your best to the wrong things. See, here's what I know from this story. and I don't have time to get it into it all. Mary, Martha has wrong priorities, and people with wrong priorities are often in chaos relationally and financially and physically, and they're troubled by many things. And oftentimes, the trouble that they're creating by their bad choices and how they operate through life, they will end up taking out on people who have their priorities right. They'll end up, all the chaos that's in turmoil is inside of them, they'll take it out on the people who are closest to them. It's not really about the kid that left the toy out or the kid that left the towel on the ground. It's really about what's going on in your own heart, that the, the decisions we've made have come home to roost and it's created chaos in us. And we take it out on the people, but it's not about the people. It's not about what they did. It's about what's going on inside of our hearts. What do you need to become? Build your priorities around that. You ever, you ever those of you who are raised in the South, you ever had somebody tell you, we're about to have a come to Jesus moment? Anybody ever heard this? It's like, oh man, they're about to just come to, I don't even know why Jesus got, he's like, hey, don't bring me into this. <laughs> but come to Jesus means like, we're going to, I'm about to show, <laughs> and we're gonna, I'm going to show you what's up. Like, as though Jesus was slapping folk around. Can, can I tell you what a real come to Jesus meeting looks like? Because Jesus tells us in, in Matthew chapter 11. He says, and this is what so many of us need, verse 28, come to me, let's have a Jesus meeting, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, I'm not going to give you another to-do list, I'm not going to give you a bunch of stuff that I want you to perform for me, I'm not going to do that to you, that's not the kind of God I am, I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, you. In other words, take my rhythms upon you and learn from me, the kind of guy who would stop everything he's doing to come hang out with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and just chill. Like, learn how I did it. Because I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Could, Could I add a few words? Come to me, all of you who are stressed out and overwhelmed and can't get it all done. Let's have a come to Jesus meeting. Come to me, single mom, who's about to fall apart with all the, of the chores and the things that you have to do. Come to me, business guy, who feels like you're going to lose it all if you don't work 24-7 and if you don't go in every day of the week. Come to me, mom, who has no breathing room for herself. Come to me, those who are overwhelmed and feel insignificant if they're not busy all of the time. 
come to me, all of us, Jesus says, and what will I give you in exchange for you coming and being in my presence? I will give you rest at a soul level. You know what rest for your souls means? I'll give you peace. I'll give you a reassurance that it's not about what you do, it's about who I've made you. I'll give you rest about your identity, that you're not a human doing, you're a human being, and you just be, just be in my presence. I'll give you rest at a soul level, that, that thing that's, that's troubled, Mary, or Martha, you're troubled by so many things. I'm gonna give you rest down underneath the layers of all the things you think are the problem, but really aren't that fear that drives you to work harder, that fear that makes you think you're not gonna have enough because your family didn't enough, and that fear that makes you think, I gotta prove something to my dad who wasn't even there in my life, but I'm gonna work hard, 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 hard. Uh, it's a shadow, he's not even part of my life, but his shadow's hanging over, I'm gonna work harder, 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 so I can be somebody. And Jesus is going, come to me, because you are somebody. And I'm gonna give you rest about all the stuff that is troubling you, that doesn't have to trouble you. Come to Jesus. Let's have a come to Jesus meeting. Would you pray with me? Father, um, thank you for Sunday. Thank you for Sabbath. Thank you for the opportunity to bring my chaos and my noise and my lack of peace and my anxiousness and my stress and just lay it at your feet like Mary does. Martha tries to perform. Mary says, no, no, I'm just going to be, I'm going to give the gift of presence. Lord, I think truth be told, there are, there's a vast majority of this room here today who would resonate with Martha more than they would with Mary. I think what you're inviting into us, uh, us into is a relationship that is marked by trust. That, Lord, if I take a day and I focus on you and I focus just on my family and not on work and all the, the to-do lists, and I, and I get fearful, like, what will I, won't happen. It won't all get done. Lord, there's a trust with Sabbath that says you will fill in the blanks. All the things, though, all the what ifs and how will I and how will I get this done, you're going to fill that in, Lord. Because, Lord, you've proven to us over and over again that you can do more with our 90% than we can do with our 100% of our time, of our talent, of our treasure, of our money. God, you can do more if we will just if we will just Sabbath, if we will just stop and, and take delight in and rest and, and contemplate. Can we bring our stuff to you, Jesus? And I would just challenge you right where you are, where you're praying, God, here's the thing that's got me worried the most. And would you say, I give it to you, Jesus. Come on, whatever it is, you know it better than me. My job, my health, my family, my marriage, my career. This is the thing that's keeping me up, Lord. I want to have a come to Jesus meeting and I want to just say here it is Lord this is the thing and he would just invite you to lay it down at his feet as an act of worship come on you say that say whatever it is here it is Lord Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.